Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that testimony from one of our young deacons and pray that you would work in the Campbell's life and in the life of this church to make us um, understand of the eternity that people face without the Savior and the joy of eternity with the Savior. Um, we, we pray for the um, family you mentioned, for the Ellis families they head back today, that you'd give them grace and strength and be their protection. Uh, Lord, may your name be honored in Christ's name. Amen. But well, we are observing the Lottie Moon offering through the end of the month of January, so please give as the Lord leads you. This morning and next week, I want to do a New Year's theme. Think about the New Year together, and I want to go to the, the, way, the end of the second epistle of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and following. And in that statement, he says two things. He says, so then, dear friends... Since you are looking forward to this, the second coming of Christ, a new heaven and a new earth, an eternity of glory, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And then as he develops that, he says in verse 17, therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Peter is exhorting, to start off with, make every effort. Dear friends, or beloved, make every effort. Peter is saying, I-, I want you to experience God's blessing in your life as you look forward to the reality of heaven. I want you to experience the blessing of God in your life. There's a wonderful book that says this. It's called, it says, God's shalom is the universe of flourishing, wholeness, and delight. It is a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully employed. God's shalom. P- Peter is saying, I want you to experience God's shalom, God's empowerment, God's blessing in your life because much is at stake. Much is at stake. So don't, don't ever forget that... that Eternity is before us, and in this life, much is at stake. Be very, very careful. Therefore, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. I, uh, on Wednesday, I pray for different groups on different days. And on Wednesdays, I've got about five sheets stapled together of the high school graduates from our church the last four to five years. And so I'll pray for a different group each Wednesday. And... Quite frankly, some of those students that I know of are doing very well and some are not. And, and, and I look at that group and I pray for them and I say, Oh God, please, please, by your mercy, arrest them, give them your empowerment, surround them with your protection. Because, you know, we all know that between the ages of 18 and 25, people make huge, key, monumental decisions that either bless or potentially curse them the rest of their days. It's a huge time. It's a huge time. And so, so in this church, we put a lot of energy and time and money into trying to reach people in that age group. But as I was praying for them this week, here's what hit me. Don't, don't fall. Don't fall to the lie, you almost 60-year-old guy. Don't fall to the lie of thinking that just because you're getting older, your decisions don't make a huge difference. Every day we make huge decisions whether we're 18 or 80. 
And so, therefore, this word is for us. Make every effort. Because you know the eternity that awaits us. Make every effort, dear friends, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace in Him. Make every effort. Because eternity is at stake. Because decisions are incredibly important. In 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15, the same language is used. We'll start in verse 10. Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. And he says in verse 14, keep reminding them of these things and warn them before God about quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listens. Do your best or make every effort to present yourself as a workman, one approved, who is not ashamed and who rightly handles the word of truth. Make every effort. Give yourself to make every effort. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, he uses the same word. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord in verse 1, I, I urge you to live a life worthy of the call in which you have been called. Be, be completely humble and, and gentle. Be patient and bear with one another and be loving and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You, you make every effort. We, we need to be make every effort kind of people because we want to experience His blessing, His empowerment. Now, I, I want that for you. I want that for me. You know, the, the Lord is our shepherd, which I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I want that. I want that. I want green pastures. I, I want quiet waters. I want to be led in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to experience the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit in my life. My cup runneth over. I want that. And here's a promise. Surely goodness and mercy shall hunt me down all the days of my life. And then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I, I want that. I shared part of this verse with the men on Friday, but I've been, I've been meditating on this passage the last few weeks. Just, just listen. I, I want this. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for his children, it will be a refuge. A lot of us have young children and you want the best for your children, whether they're young or old, really. But what's, what's the best thing you can do for your children? Have the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as your fortress. And it says this, that, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death, the reverence of God, the worship of God, the adoration of God is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. I want that. 
And so we need to look at each other and, and, and say, dear friends, beloved, beloved, beloved ones, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. And he goes on, he discusses situation we'll come back to and then he gives this next exhortation therefore dear friends since you already know this be on your guard which means to stand like a sentinel or to make every effort to, to, to be found be on your guard so that you will not be swept away or carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position and 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 so, so the, the question I have as I look at this text is, is how can I make every effort and I'm going to answer the next two weeks we, today is this. We make every effort by, number one, being on our guard, which means to be protected by taking careful measure because much is at stake. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. D- don't, don't fall asleep by the ever-grinding reality of week after week and thinking, this no big deal, we're going nowhere, you're going somewhere. Your decisions count. Right now counts forever. This day is significant. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Like a sentinel. Take careful measure to guard your life. Guard your life and your doctrine closely, Paul says. Be on your guard, Peter says here. Very interesting. Let me tell you this story. This is a guy named Yamamoto. He was the leading admiral of the Japanese Imperial Empire in World War II. Yamamoto studied at Harvard 1919 to 1921, he became proficient in English. He was the Japanese naval attache in Washington for two different tours. He knew America. He loved Americans. He spoke English flawlessly. He goes back to Japan, and the the war cabinet talks about making war against America. He says, I plead with you not to do this. He says, don't do this. He says, we cannot keep up with their industrial output. We cannot keep up with America. There's, there's no way. If you do this, we will be defeated. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't have the plans. They even tried to assassinate him. He survived the assassination attempts. And he was found to be the head of the Navy. He's the mastermind behind the attack on Pearl Harbor. After Pearl Harbor, he wrote in his diary, we have six months to one year to cripple America so they will not fight in Asia and we will take Asia by storm. But we have only six months to one year. And so he had this secret plot called the Battle of Midway. He was going to make a, a strike in Midway and seal off the Atlantic and take Indonesia and the rest of Asia on down through Australia. There's a picture of a guy named Joe Rockford. I've never heard of this guy. Joe Rockford was, was a crypt analyst. He, would, he, he studied in Japan for three years. He was fluent in the Japanese language. There, his office received 500 to 1,000 secret supposedly messages from the Japanese war cabinet a day, and he would try to, he would decipher 100 of them. He was brilliant. Joe Rockford was in charge of trying to understand the Japanese mind when Pearl Harbor was destroyed, and we lost 2,300 men. And it, 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 it absolutely staggered him. And one reason is because there was so much interagency infighting that he wasn't given the ability to see the most secretive of the messages, so he couldn't have understood it. After the war, or after Pearl Harbor, they said, you're going to see everything. He did. He, he read these secret memos. He says, they're going to strike in Midway. 
And his commanders said, you're wrong, they're going to strike again. And Hawaii says, no, they're going to Midway. There's an admiral named Chester Nimitz who believed this guy. And so they took all their destroyers, all their aircraft carriers out of Hawaii and put them at Midway. And as the Japanese came in, there was an ambush upon the Japanese Navy. And from June 4 to June 7, 1942, the Japanese Navy lost four aircraft carriers, 230 planes, 3,500 men. And, and from that point forward, the war in the Pacific was lost by the Japanese. They knew that. Yamamoto said, it's, it's over. We, we cannot refurbish our aircraft carriers. We lost one, the USS Yorktown. Another ship was recommissioned, named Yorktown, and it's down here at Patriots Point today. Amazing. Now, I, I, I read that and I go, you know what? what? Wow. An unheard of commander who is a linguist and a Japanese expert sitting in a basement did not leave off the guard. He didn't leave off the guard because he knew much was at stake. And Chester Nimitz said after the battle, he says, really, one crypt analysis won this battle. One man. I look at my life, look, do you realize much is at stake? Do you realize that the way you live right now counts for eternity? Much is at stake. First Timothy chapter 6 talks about much being at stake. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 20, guarding yourself as Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter. So, so you just read the scripture. How, how, do you, how do you guard yourself? More? Well, you turn away from godless chatter. And, and the opposing ideas of what false is called knowledge, which some have professed, and in so doing, they've, they've wandered from the faith. Paul says, you're, or Peter says, you're, you're carried away, you're swept away. Paul says here, you, you just kind of wander away from the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. What you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with the faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Guard it. Guard it. Guard it. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. I'm rereading Mere Christianity. There's certain books I reread, and this is one. I just love this book. He says, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. The little decisions today of guarding, turn away from godless chatter, of watching your life and drive, the little decisions made today will produce fruit next week, next month, next year. There are no little people, there are no little places, there are no little decisions. Guard. Listen. Guard yourselves. Guard yourselves. 
be on your guard so that you will not be swept away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position. I like movies. Uh, my, my favorite movies, a couple of them, Braveheart. It's just a great movie about a man who sees life as being important. And so he stands in the gap. He guards himself for the freedom of his countrymen. Cinderella Man, great movie, true story. Braveheart is too. True story. About a man who, who is a boxer and who stands in the gap and he fights for his wife and his children and their survival and his dignity. It's a great movie. Guard. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. Not a true story, but boy, it's a great movie. The Fellowship of the Ring. I, every, every time I read this or hear it, it's my... Gandalf is with his tiny band of men and they're being pursued by Blarock in the caves. And it says this in the book. It says, it says Gandalf turns and says, you cannot pass, he said to the demonic person. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame Anor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Uden. Go back to the shadow. You cannot pass. And he takes his stakes and he puts them in the ground. Like a man, give me people who say, boom, you cannot pass. I'm guarding myself. Give me men and women who are leaders in the homes. Boom, you cannot pass. Give me leaders who are arrested by the grace of the living Christ. Boom, it's forces of darkness you cannot pass. Because much is at stake. In the year 2012, brothers and sisters, much is at stake. Whenever, the first time I read that, I thought, you know, Tolkien, who was a believer, I thought, I wonder if Tolkien's been reading Joshua. You know, the, the end of Joshua, Joshua is an old man. And he's seen the fickleness of the children of Israel, hot and cold, forward and back. And so in his farewell charge to the people of Israel, this is what Joshua says, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. He says, now fear the Lord Jehovah and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord Jehovah. But... If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Boom! That's who we are. Because much is at stake. We guard ourselves. We guard ourselves against the darkness of the adversary. We guard ourselves against untruth. We guard ourselves because much is carried away. And it says here, 
Guard yourselves so you don't be swept away or carried away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Very quickly, so what does that mean? I really like the way the English Standard Version translates it. It says, lose your stability. The question, can, can, can someone who is truly a child of God, look like this text, truly a child of God, forfeit their salvation? Or we say, lose their salvation. The answer is no. Let me just read this. This is, I'll paraphrase it. Larger catechism, question 79. May not true believers, by reason of their imperfections, and we all have them, and many temptations, we all have them, and our sins, we do that, yeah. Can they be overtaken and fall from the state of grace? Answer, true believers, by reason of the unchangeable love of God, the eternal decree and covenant of his mercy, because of their union with Christ and his intercession for them and the Holy Spirit and the seed of God abiding in them can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but they're kept through the power of God for a salvation that is eternal. And then the question is, are you truly a child of God? Because in, in, the, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, it says this. It says, nevertheless... Because the temptation of Satan and the world and the corruption that is in us and the neglect of the means of the preservation of, 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 of grace, we can fall into grievous sin for a time and continue there for a season. Whereby, number one, you incur God's displeasure. Number two, you grieve his Holy Spirit. Number three, you're deprived of some measure of the grace and comforts of God. Number four, you have your hearts hardened. Number five, your conscience is wounded. Number six, you hurt and scandalize your brothers. And number seven, you bring temporal judgments upon yourselves. So, so somebody comes up to me and says, you know, can you really forfeit your salvation if you're truly a believer? No. You really can't? No. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. But a Christian can fall into sin. So, so guard, your, guard yourself. In fact, Peter says, make your calling and your election sure. So guard yourself. Boom, guard yourself. So you, you can't forfeit your salvation, but, but, but you, can, you, can, you can incur your father's displeasure. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can be deprived of graces and comforts. and You can have your heart hardened. And your conscience wounded. And you can hurt and scandalize the body of Christ. And bring temporal judgment upon yourself. And says, that's a relief. I can't lose my salvation. <laughs> so, man, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. Be careful. Guard yourself. No, I don't, I don't want to have a hardened heart. I don't want to call forth the Father's displeasure. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to scandalize you guys. But I don't want that. So, so you, 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 you guard yourself so you'll be swept away by the air of lawless men and, and lose your stability, lose your footing, fall. And guard yourself. Much is at stake. I mean, here's the question. How, how do you guard yourself? I think the text answers it in part, not wholly. How, how do you guard yourself? Number one, he says here, therefore, dear friends, he's writing to the church. He's writing to a group of people 
who are in voluntary association with each other, who watch over each other and who guard each other. Therefore, dear friends, if, if I'm going to guard myself, I've got to be, I've got to have people in my life, in the church, who love me and care for me and pray for me and walk with me. That's just the way it is. And if you don't have if you don't have those people in your life, now you can you can come to church every Sunday, but you have people in your life that are praying for you and care for you and love you. I read an article recently about a man who's a well-known uh, mountain climber. I've got a picture of mountain climbers here. Yeah, this is a mountain climber. They're going up a, a, a rock cliff. See the they they've got. Oh, what you call it? But they, they're staked into the rock. They've got robes. They've got their tied on. They're harnessed in. So this mountain climber, well-known mountain climber, has made a decision to go solo and not use ropes when he climbs a mountain. You know what we call a mountain climber who goes solo and doesn't use ropes and has somebody to help him out? Dead. You do. He's going to be dead. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be... You know, but it's just true. We'll read his obituary in a couple of years. I mean, unless he, you know... Just does a climbing wall at James Island County Park or something, you know. You, you read the Bible. And, and one thing that's unmistakable is having other people in your life to encourage you and build you up and strengthen you. And, and, then this, and secondly, you live with understanding it says here, dear friends, since you already know this. The know this talks about the fact that people, verses 15 to 16, will twist the scripture and they'll mock God and they'll, they'll belittle God. And they'll misrepresent scripture and, and, and they'll lampoon the, the character of the triune God. And, and Peter says, you already know there are, that, there are people out there like this. In other words, live with prudence. God wants us to have childlike hearts but grown-up minds. That's something of a paraphrase in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be, 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 be prudent thinkers. Understand, you already know this. You, you, you already know this. Sometimes I, I, I hear people say something on TV or read an article, and I say, I, I cannot believe they're saying this. And I say, well, stop. Doesn't the Bible say that people will continually twist the Scripture and mock God and belittle the reality of eternity? Well, yeah, sure. Don't, don't be surprised. Live prudently. Think. You already know this. You already know this. And thirdly, he says, is understand the process of being carried away or, or blown off course. And there are certain there are people that will be in our church services today, and you're not as hot for Christ now as you were the first month of 2011. You're just not. You're just little. Just, just not. You've been blown off course. It's a little bad. It's just a little bit. You've been swept away by by, by questioning the goodness of the Father. You've you've been carried away by by not. Soaking your mind in the things of God. Maybe you're just not in a small group and you're just, 
you're just bombarded every day with messages that aren't from God. And you're just being you're just swept, carried. And stop it. Guard. Guard. Find people who love Jesus and burn with them. Find people who ask you hard questions and go to lunch with them. Find people who pray and seek the power of the Holy Spirit and pray with them. And it's easy. It is so easy to be swept, to be blown off. It really means to be blown off course. Isn't it easy? It is so easy. Listen, I'm here every day almost. I hang out with good people every day. A couple of them, but most of them are pretty good people every day. Every day. And I'm telling you, I hang out with good people, studying the Bible, blown off course. Come on. You're out there and you're surrounded by this monolithic culture to a degree that mocks and belittles and questions. And even when you profess faith, they, they treat you as if you're the village dullard. It's easy to just be, man, be with God's people, get energized and go back out. That's what we're about. And, and then the end result is to fall from your secure position. That's bad. To lose your footing. To bring scandal upon your family, your church. Temporal judgments upon yourselves. To grieve the Holy Spirit. Man, grieve the Holy Spirit. To limit God's power in your life and His blessing. Man, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And it starts off with make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. With Him. Not in Him, with Him, the way it's translated here. There's only one way to be at peace with the God who is, and that is through the work of Christ upon the cross for our sins. In 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and following, Peter says, You know that you were not redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. been reading a book off and on called Scotland Saw His Glory. It's a history of the movement of God and revivals in Scotland. And how you know, the church goes along and God by His Spirit breaks in and there is an overpowering sense of His presence and, and, and His anointing and His blessing for months or maybe a couple of years. And then you go, and then, but I, I want to see revival. I want to see God break in. So I'm reading this book, and it talks about a revival that started in, a, in, a, in an island off the coast of Scotland. And, and, and the way it kind of started is that there was an old man who had gone to see one of his children, an old man who knew Jesus, and he became deathly sick. And he was in his child's home and he said is can you ask a pastor to come and pray with me and so they asked a couple of pastors to come and pray and they came to see this man and 
And they said, said, sir, are you ready to go to eternity? Have you lived a good life? Have you treated your neighbor kindly? Have have you tried to be a man of of, uh, rightness and business relationships? And the the, the old man got confused. And finally, he propped himself up on his elbow. And he said, is there no one here who can tell me about the blood of the lamb? (laughs) And that kind of smote the ministers and made them reevaluate. And it kind of was the forerunner to a movement of God. And I thought, is there no one here to tell me about the blood of the Lamb? Don't, don't preach to me ethical behavior primarily. Preach to me the blood of the Lamb. You know, guard yourselves. Guard yourselves by glorying in the greatness of Christ. When, when darkness hits and Satan throws his arrows, hold up the shield of faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And guard yourself. You guard yourself by glorying. But that's next week. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, we ask that, um, that you would break in. Uh, I, I pray that as we're together and we, that, that we would think about the coming eternity. Therefore, dear friends, since, since you're looking forward to this, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort that, that eternity, the, the hope of heaven, would cause us to just go hard for you. I, I pray that we would guard ourselves uh, so we would not be swept away by the air of lawless men and fall from our position of stability. Lord, we don't want that. We, we want to be strong. We want to be used of you. We want to impact our, our neighbors and our friends and our family and our coworkers with, for the gospel of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as when we're with each other and somebody's talking about being a good person and being ethical and as those things are important, but I, I pray we'd always say, but first, let's talk about the reality of the work of Jesus on the cross, the blood of the Lamb. That's my hope. That's my hope. So, Teach us that this year. Help us to see that much is at stake in the way we relate to people and the way we care for one another. Much is at stake. In Jesus' name.